Welcome to another edition of We Need to Talk About Movies. Brought to you by Banterflix.com. And now, here's your host, Jim McClain. Hello, hello, hello. Yes, I am your host, Jim McLean. Welcome to the latest episode of We Need to Talk About Movies. And this week, we're talking about a good one. We are talking about, I wouldn't even say that this is a cult classic. I would just say this is a bona fide classic. It's celebrating its 45th anniversary this year. It's Steven Spielberg's Jaws, the daddy of all shark movies. And joining me as we discuss this movie, and I'm sure many other things. I don't know what kind of tangents will go down on this podcast. But regular listeners, you know that this is a regular occurrence on this pod. But joining me is David CBG Cam. Hello. And uh, Abby, we haven't had you. We know we have had you on the pod before. We had you on, albeit very briefly, on our Jane Silent Bob reboot yes. pod. So joining me as well is Abby Easton. Hi. Hi, guys. So how have you been? I know we're kind of not in the... We can't, we can't even say that joke anymore. It's not even a not quite lockdown, lockdown. It's uh, We're kind of semi-free now, and we're just kind of, I don't know about you, just kind of quietly waiting for the inevitable second wave. Not that I would be doom and gloom, but how have you been? Have you been, as this is a movie review podcast, have either of you ventured to the cinema as of yet? I, I have not been to the cinema yet. Yeah. yeah, it's still too scary a prospect for us to go to the cinema at this point, just because, I mean, the, as you said, second wave is still a possibility. I mean, it's probably a inevitability at this point. Thanks to David CBG Campbell, this podcast has already went with a tone of (laughs) somberness. Somberness like the second wave is inevitable. We don't kind of go down political kind of stuff or anything like that here (laughs) with Banterflix. So, but yeah, it's, it's kind of weird. I, I know I was saying on the previous pod, I've been to cinema three times already. One was a show of support to the Strand Art Centre because they've been really get, great to us. Two was, the other two at the Omniplex in Lisburn was just a case, I was a bit bored and I couldn't think <laughs> yeah. of anything else to do. And that's what I do when I when I get bored. I go to the cinema or if I find yeah. myself kind of with nothing else to do. Um, I know you guys... Sorry, that's what I would do too. Just bored, don't know what to do today. Just yeah, yeah, that's, that's what you kind of do. Yeah. But, you know, for both of you, and this is not me being prying into your personal lives. I mean, is it, I know you're kind of talking there kind of the scare factor but is it is it health reasons is it also to the fact that what's out in the cinema is that a fact that it is a lot of retro screenings a lot of cult classics stuff like jaws is being screened uh, films like we've talked about recently and the fact that we aren't seeing many big new releases i know we were talking this on a podcast a couple of weeks ago about wood tenant the kind of release dates change on a day-to-day basis at the minute we're hopefully getting it here in the uk at the end of august but for both of you would something like tenant be enough to get you to venture back to the cinema i would go like i don't i don't think i'm as scared as maybe cbg is um although i think maybe he's just sensible i don't know but yeah if there was a big release i'd go i think it's just hard to get up like the effort and the will to go for something i've already seen like maybe a bunch of times if uh, no time to die came out tomorrow i would be I first knew in you'd line bring, i knew you'd bring up on look <laughs> i think at this rate you're that was the first to... movie casualty of this lockdown mm, i think you're gonna by the looks of it potentially is it 2021 that's been put back to now or is it just still no set date i think it hasn't moved from its november date because i haven't seen an announcement of it being pulled from that because there's still stuff that's got like september october release dates mm. that might still kind of happen but 
Can I ask a question, CBG? Do you have a calendar, an old fashioned <laughs> calendar, and it's maybe got, you know, a few birthdays in it and then just circle the release date for the next Bond? Uh, if I had a physical calendar, I definitely would do that. Uh, I'd probably get one of those desk calendars that's every day and it would just be like a sad picture of a James <laughs> Bond actor until you get to the release day where it's a happy picture. Oh, well, now there's a question. What would be that happy picture? Oh, jeez. Uh... I would imagine for you, I'm going to guess, right, two things here, right? I'm going to imagine, because as we've talked on previous pods, it's going to be Roger Moore, right? It's going to be I mean, Roger yeah. Moore. So it's either going to be that photo, that iconic scene, that iconic still, isn't it? A, the Spy Who Loved Me with the jump with the Union Jack on the, the oh. back of the, on the back of the bleh, parachute, that's the word I'm looking for, or would it just be from any of any of Roger Moore's films of his tenure was just a raised eyebrow. That just be it. <laughs> uh, it would maybe be the sh- the the shot of um, really old uh, Roger Moore in Julia Kill uh, when he's in bed waiting for May Day, just being like expectant, like get in the bed, come on. Surely that's the day before the release. You know, just waiting. Wait <laughs> that's the foreplay. You're ready to go. It's foreplay. <laughs> There's not going to be much foreplay with Mayday, I don't think. I think that's a discussion for another podcast. That's, you know, I, I, I always kind of say this podcast is therapy sessions for me. I think if we went down this kind of much further and pulled on this strand, I think this would become therapy sessions for you, CBG. Oh, yeah, 100%. So what have you been watching, guys, then over lockdown? Have you binged on box sets? Have you went back and cult classics? Or have you found yourself not watching as much as maybe what you thought you would have been if you were told you can't go out for nearly three months? It's, it's been five months at this point, to be honest. Yeah, uh, true. <laughs> I did the math yesterday, and it kind of scared me. I was like, so lockdown was like March, like late, mid-March. So it's like You've April, no May, about TV June, July. <laughs> We're in August. Yeah, yeah, so you went from doing the mass on how long you've been locked in and uh, then the second wave is inevitable. You are the most upbeat guest I think we've had on this podcast ever. I, I am I am nothing if not a realist when it comes to global pandemics. Mm, I don't Do you know what the problem is? I live with a uh, n- well, nurse, I guess would be the best way to describe because it's difficult to describe what. Uh, my housemate Claire has done uh, academically, but I would, yeah, I would. She's like a fully qualified nurse, and she listens to like a lot of podcasts about pandemics and things, and she's very well informed. So every time I have a question about things like this, she always has an answer, but it's always a doom and gloom answer because it's. See what I thought you were going to say, CBD, was that just you know when you're sitting in bed or you're just to get a bit happy or you're kind of like, I'll <laughs> I'll just put on another Bond movie to cheer myself up. She comes down and sits down right beside you and just kind of whispers, "The second wave is inevitable." She just shows me a piece of paper with the latest uh, numbers on it, and it's just like, oh no. If anyone cares? Uh, one of the podcasts Claire listens to is called "This Podcast Will Kill You," and it's all oh. about diseases and how they spread. It's very interesting. Yeah. You want to be depressed? Okay, Abby. So. All the pressure is on you now. Clearly, in this podcast, CBG is not going to be the. I can the do most happy. Up- I could do happy. I, I don't know if you can. You know, I, okay, we're give, what maybe give me a try. 15, Put me in, coach. We're maybe fifteen minutes into this. Uh, I, I don't know. I'm starting to have serious concerns about the the, the happiness factor for this. So, Abby, <laughs> it's all on you because I'm a bit of a grump anyway. But I just kind of <laughs> hide it behind my uh, friendly exterior. So, all the pressure for the upbeatness of this podcast as we talk about. 
well, we try to talk about Jaws, but I end up talking about the R rate and the second wave mm-hmm. and all these other things that Claire, who I don't even know, has terrified poor CBG on. So all the pressure's on you to be upbeat. So what have you been watching or what have, did you find yourself binging on over the, the lockdown? I've been like, in terms of TV series, I've sort of binged old things that I missed when they came out. So I've been watching Lost. I've watched Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I've been watching just what? Oh, I just gone blind. But yeah, things like that. Stuff I've missed out on when they came out that were great and everybody loved just to catch up on them. So are and you then, finished? Are you finished, Lost? Or you know are you... I am so close to being finished and I don't actually know how it ends. I have never had the spoiler for it. <laughs> I have about three episodes left. That's okay. We'll, we'll not spoil it for you. Because I know, I think Jonathan Cardwell, who has been on the panel, I haven't had him on for a while. Jonathan Cardwell who ran I know the podcast has changed name I think for a while it was Get to Know You Better and then it was there was I Dead On I know he's involved there's a a local locally produced Lost podcast that may be of interest to you I think they've just got as far as season one because I have to say like like I I think my my interest with Lost I don't know how big you were into Lost CBG but um, not at all I (laughs) I find the first series just to be potentially, probably, one of the the greatest first series of a television show ever. If you love, like, just batshit craziness that just, you don't understand how it all links, but you desperately want to know, it's the best season ever. I can't remember, because I think Lost, Lost, I think, started, this is me trying to show me age now, like, Lost started, I think, on Channel 4? And yeah. then, uh, this is me, I could be completely wrong, so listeners, feel free to correct me, but I think it started in Channel 4. I think the first two series were on, on Channel 4. And because it was there on Terrestrial TV, a bit like the X-Files, it was readily available. I loved it. I think it's when it moved to Sky. That's when I kind of struggled, because I think I maybe moved to university. And my parents had Sky back home, and then it was like before the days of Sky Plus. God, I sound like a real grandpa. Back in the old days, when you had to properly record stuff. Well, and... we never had Sky or anything like that, so... <laughs> there we go. That's that's me just showboating up against you. <laughs> <laughs> we had RT as well, Abby. You know, we had... You know, I that's know. Like... Everything, all these luxuries. We just had to buy DVDs and videos. <laughs> yeah, you know, back in the day. Back in the day. But I think when, when Lost moved to Sky, I think I... I, tr- I tried to stick with it, and then it was one of those things, because you're on, the, I guess, the final series now already, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 The fact that it's all there, that, that, that helps, that you can yeah. just binge. binge like, I've, yeah. like, I've tried. I don't know if it's going to work. I treated myself, in case there is, sorry, CPG, um, in case there is a second wave, I treated myself to the... The box set of 24, because I adore 24. I have a man crushing Jack Barr. I cracked it open last night and started watching it. I was like, I could just binge through this and it's all there. You don't have to wait a week. But I think my problem with Lost from memory was I kind of lost track of regularly watching, I think, the third or fourth series. And then there's a series where like just random time travel starts. So like one minute people That's are the here. Third season. Yeah, and then I just I just kind of left, kind of going, like, you know, I just left kind of going, you know what? I'm out. I'm like, it's 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 too confuddling for me. I don't know, but CBD, I'll give you one more opportunity, right? Because you kind of you didn't really tell us. You were kind of just talking about doom and gloom and talking about how Claire has terrified you and, and just left you in tears every night. So so what Claire have you been? A wonderful wa- human being. 
asking. Can I just? <laughs> I, I, I've never met her. To my knowledge, I don't think I've ever met her. But you know, all I get the impression of is someone who I don't. I don't know. It's not even like Chandra and Joey, but it's a bit like when CBT would just be tucked up in bed with his tuxedo pajamas on, mm-hmm. and you know, a little you know vodka martini just left on the bedside table, just you know, just in case. And she would just come in and whisper things in his ears. That's what it, well, he'd be sleeping or leave one of those cassettes. That's the reference I was going with from friends <laughs> when when Chandler yes. is it Chandler's trying to it's, quit smoking. Yeah, and then Joey gets it or something. Oh no, and then yeah, but then they change it to be like you're a confident woman or something. Yeah, so it's very, it's very I, I think that's what Claire's in. I don't know this person, so I, I, I don't know if this is slanderous or not, but uh, you clearly terrified it. CBG. So <laughs> apart from the, the gripping fear that has consumed you, CBG, what have you been watching? A lot of stuff that I've seen before. Uh, a lot of nostalgia. Uh, we did um, over a weekend, Abby and I, once things sort of eased off and we could spend more time together, we watched the Lord of the Rings extended editions, like all the way through over a weekend. Is that with The Hobbit as well or just the Lord of the Rings? Uh, I'm of the opinion that The Hobbit movies do not belong in the same breath when spoken about mm-hmm. as Lord of the Rings. Uh, I feel like they kind of dropped the ball on those. And I don't blame Peter Jackson for that. I blame studios and various other things. He was just trying to pad out three movies that he wanted to be two that should have been one. I totally agree. Yeah. So that was the first time I'd done them in all one sitting. Well, not really one sitting, two sittings, but, you know, in one sort of big stint. And then as lockdown eased, uh, the Omniplex announced that they were going to do the extended mm-hmm. editions uh, one a day over a weekend. And I was tempted, but we'd done them, like, literally only weeks before. Plus, it would have been... Awkward to get to Dundonald because that's either a very long walk or public transport, and I don't want to be on a tr- bus right now. Well, what someone should have done if you'd have walked all the way to Dundonald, you should have had someone just greeting you at the cinema, <laughs> just going, Fly, fly, you fools, fly, etc. Yeah. But anyway, that's enough of that um, random segue. I mean, as I said, there are people get to hear me rambling about what I've been watching. I've been watching a lot of Shudder. I know by the time this podcast is out, we'll have done our wonderfully meta experiment where Banderflix's scaredy cat. Darren Vincent will be watching on live stream host. And anybody knows Darren knows he's terrified of Shudder. And we're going to be live streaming that. Well, we will have live streamed that by the time this podcast is out. So you can check that out on Facebook, per Darren. But uh, anyway, let's get on to things. Let's talk about Jaws. So that's enough of part one. And let's move on to part two. Okay, so in this section, we're going to be talking about Jaws. So I don't know if anybody at this point has has not seen Jaws. I know my lovely wife, when we sat down to watch it over lockdown, said, oh, I've never seen Jaws. Never seen it, never seen it. And five minutes in, she's like, oh, yeah, I have seen this. Yeah, yeah. you know, I know. Yep. But for anybody who hasn't CBG, yes. give them a bit of setup about what the film's all about. So the basic setup of the film is that a small island community uh i'm not sure how big the population is it seems to be like they're big enough to have a like a big tourism boom every year but they also seem quite small so i, I guess so think numbers... so for local listeners you know i think port rush yeah kind of like a port rush but more like like an island version of port rush so it's kind of isolated and you need to get like a boat or something over to it. And Coney Island? The, no, Coney, it would be bigger than Coney Island, wouldn't it? Well, it was filmed at Martha's Vineyard, and I've no idea how big that yeah, is. it's bigger than Coney mm-hmm. Island, I think. It's more oh, like- no, not, not the Coney Island's completely the wrong thing I'm thinking of. I'm thinking of, uh, what do you call the one locally here that Van sings about? 
The Copeland Islands. There we go. Yeah, it's about oh, yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. They're right, completely. Yes. Yeah, so clearly not the Coney Islands. That's my general uh, <laughs> Freudian gem fuck up for this podcast. But uh, the Copeland Islands, which is not no, the Co- Coney Island, is not off the the shore of Northern Ireland. If you think that, you're Pretty. bigger than me. But uh, yes, well, there, there, uh, there is a Coney Island in uh, Down somewhere. Okay, that's all right then. Yes. Yeah, it's just it's Abby, not the one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll be in with the save. There, I don't. I don't feel so bad now. There we go. No, I don't have to add. I don't have to edit all this out. So we're thinking the Copeland Islands, but with Portrush rather than, you know, nothing on the Copeland Islands. Less rain as well, you know. And the the newly appointed uh, chief of police, who they state has been there since uh, previous fall, autumn. So it's his first summer. And uh, unfortunately, his first summer is met with a, a shark attack. Uh, which attacks a young girl on the beach who goes swimming at night. Poor old Chrissy. Isn't it Chrissy? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well remembered. Um, oh, yeah, I forgot her name. So he obviously immediately wants to close beaches and keep people out of the water until it can be sort of figured out and dealt with. But uh, the mayor and others are against this because they make all their money in the summer and they're literally, you know, a week or two from the 4th of July weekend, which is a huge tourism boom. It's like the 12th of July here for Northern yeah. Irish listeners. Yeah. So it uh, is pretty much, it is pretty much just Portrush. That's when everybody goes to Portrush to try and get away from the 12th. They all go to Barry's, but unfortunately they don't have a man-eating shark in Portrush. That yeah. we know of. Basically, if you haven't seen Jaws, imagine you go to Portrush and there's a giant shark in Barry's that you have to avoid, but you still want to go on the roller coaster. So it's like... Yeah. Do you know what I'm just picturing now? I'm just picturing just a person, do you know, like in one of those costumes, like a mascot costume, <laughs> like a shark. Have you ever seen, I, I don't know what mascot it was. I think it was an American one where they do the thing where like there's the big mascot and he kind of pretends to eat someone. I, I don't know if I'll, I'll see if I can find that. I, I'll see if I can find that video and put it up on our Facebook feed. But there is like this scene with there's a mascot and he like pretends to eat this person. And then like two seconds later, you see the person like jumping out of his mouth, but he's just down to his boxers. It's quite funny. That's what I'm picturing <laughs> in my head. As I say, listeners, on a regular occurrence, this podcast is therapy for me. Okay, so CBD, you kind of set us up on everything we need to know about Jaws going in. Yes. So I think at this point, we'll play a clip. Very first light, Chief. Sharks come cruising. So we formed ourselves into tight groups. You know, it's kind of like old squares in a battle, like you see in a calendar, like the Battle of Waterloo, and the idea was, shark comes to the nearest man, that man, he start pounding and hollering and screaming, and sometimes the shark would go away. Sometimes he wouldn't go away. Sometimes that shark, he looks right into you, right into your eyes. You know the thing about a shark, he's got lifeless eyes, black eyes, like a doll's eyes. So that's a clip of Jaws. Abby, I'll start with you. I know I said that jokingly about my lovely wife, who thought she hadn't seen Jaws, but uh, within five minutes was like, yeah, I have seen this. So had just out of complete curiosity, had you seen this before we asked you to talk about it on the podcast? Yeah, this is my third time because I've watched the movie when we watched it recently. Okay, so what did you think? Oh God, like a general... I mean, I love Jaws. I think it is a rip-roaring, fun adventure which shows the corruption of capitalism and man's fight against the wild. It's brilliant. It's funny, it's... 
It's about know. a big shark, all right? Yeah. None of this. That's my, <laughs> that's my opinion of George. It's great. It's fun. No, I would agree with you because I, I know I love the way, like, of late with the COVID pandemic, the, the memes of poor old Murray Hamilton, you know, have become associated, you know, I assure yeah. you the beaches are open. I know that like, they've become a thing for for lockdown and your COVID, the, during the COVID pandemic. But uh, yeah, there is that sense. And I will come back to that. This is the third view. And so I'm going to assume you, you've only kind of maybe watched this possibly like not not too long ago, if you're saying it's only your third view. Yeah, I watched it at the cinema was showing it. Where was showing it? Seebs, you went with me. Who was showing it? Was it Odyssey? Uh, it was the, the Odyssey that was showing Odyssey. it. Odyssey showed it like maybe a few years ago, a couple of years ago, two years ago. You're not yeah, right? it must have been for an anniversary or something, maybe. Yeah, maybe like the four- that. Yeah. That's that's. The well, you said it was the forty fifth this year, so it wasn't the fortieth. I have no idea. They they showed the movie. I saw the movie at the cinema, and then I watched it just on my own since then. Yeah. And what was it like watching it with an audience? Because it's a film that, no matter how many times I see it, and I've seen it a couple of times in the cinema, it it holds up to repeated viewing, and it holds up to repeat repeated viewing in the cinema. There is like I know I was reviewing host, and we talked about it there briefly, and we had Darren on a couple of weeks ago. We had Darren on our live stream watching it live for us, and you know, that's a film that's an hour-long film filled with jump scares for me there's probably the greatest jump scare or one of the greatest jump scares jump scares in cinema in jaws that involves some an underwater scuba diver checking you know underneath the boat watching it with my lovely wife she absolutely sh1t herself when she was watching that i i don't know my my wife's lovely in rock and roll she'll love me saying this but she crochets she's got into crochet and she crochets now while she's watching movies and she was crocheting away and she was kind of like crocheting looking up crocheting looking up and she just must have like hit it perfectly for that jump scare and uh yeah as i say she nearly sh one to herself but you know it, it must have been great watching that with an audience it was fun i think because i'd never seen it before there was definitely like a feeling because everyone had obviously seen it before i was slate to it so there was like this excitement and build different things and everyone's reactions. It was fun. It was good. It's nice to have people reacting to things. And because it's not a new movie out, I don't think people were super worried about being quiet, all those kind of things. So it was good fun. My wife complains about that. My wife complains about, well, I can't remember what the film was. It might've been Lost Boys or it might've been something that we screened and everybody kind of either kind of knew the lines or was kind of joking and kind of, it wasn't like a normal cinema audience. Well, you know, depends where you go. That can be a regular occurrence with people talking yeah. nonsense at cinema. And at what feels like a lifetime ago now. But how was that, like watching something like that for the very first time with an audience that the large majority of them had probably seen it, you know, a thousand times. I know I'm kind of being overzealous there, but, you know, had seen it quite a few times that knew every frame of that film what's it like then for someone as a punter when you're going into that time what how do you do you enjoy that kind of thing or are you someone that's kind of like would rather really deep down abby would rather go Shh. um not so i think for like an older movie where people are really excited they're gonna go see it at the cinema maybe it's the first time i've seen it in the cinema i would not be a, a shusher i am a shusher when it's like a new movie and i have not seen it before <laughs> and no one has <laughs> But no, I like it because it just shows how much people love it. And I think you get that feeling of like, it's a community. People love this movie. It's fun. They're here for a good time. Maybe they've also brought their friend along who has no idea what's going on. It's like, what is this shark? What is happening? It's fun. I like it. I like when people react to movies, unless it's a brand new movie, in which case it's just... <laughs> My last question, and then I'll come back to you, CBG. You said there about a friend bringing you. Was that a case of what happened there? And if that's the case, do you find yourself being watched? 
because I'm terrible for this with Amber. <laughs> like, I am terrible for yeah. this. One of the, my greatest pleasures, and there's maybe something perverse or voyeuristic about me, I don't know, but see, like, certain jump scenes, I, in a cinema setting, I take more pleasure from watching people's reactions to certain things that when you know it's coming than maybe even watching the actual sequence itself. So, like, I'm trying to think of a film, Green Room, was a film I absolutely adore, adored. You know, if you want to be terrified by Patrick Stewart, there's the film that you you want to be terrified of him in. And I remember vividly going to a press screening of a film I'd seen at London, the London Film Festival, a year prior. I knew what type of film it was going to be. And then sat in Tim Burton, who is as big a scaredy cat as Darren Vincent. And there's certain sequences in that are pretty tough. Like, it's a t- I don't know if either of you have seen it. It's a tough film to get I haven't. through. And... You know, it's. I took more perverse pleasure from watching Tim squirm his way through that film and be generally petrified in that film. So is that a case like you've seen there been like with friends bringing someone? Was that a case what happened to you? And if so, did you feel like you were being watched? Not by me. I want to clarify. I wasn't there being a complete voyeuristic voyeur. I would. That would be strange. But you know, yeah. <laughs> what Seeb's brought me. So I don't know. Were you watching me? Uh, I'll admit I did uh, side-eye during the two big jump scares in the film just to see if you would get jumped I by I definitely them. did jump, definitely. I definitely did, for sure. That's um, okay. So CBT, you're as voyeuristic as me then. That's okay. Yeah, it was just because I knew the film so well, so I knew what the two bits were. Uh, the thing that Abby likes whenever we watch movies together, not whenever we're sitting in like a movie theatre, but if we're sitting at home and it's something I've seen that she hasn't seen, I just sit and spit out facts about whatever the movie is that we're watching. So it's great. I love it. It's actually so interesting. And then after you, Jaws, like- there was a massive lore dump where I was just like, I couldn't talk during the movie because we're in a cinema. So here's everything that I know about Jaws. <laughs> so are you like, I don't know if you watch this on Amazon Prime, that trivia section, the feature that can come up. Is that like you? Well, if you're watching it, bit, you, yeah. can, you can put that up and it's like, did you know? Blah, blah, blah. I'm a bit like that too. <laughs> I have to admit, yeah. now, here's the thing, CBG. You know, maybe not aside from Jaws, have you ever sat with Abby and then watched something? You're going to go, this is going to get a reaction. This is going to get a reaction. And then, no. <laughs> None. None. As, as if you might as well have just, you know, blew air in her face. I don't know. And there's just <laughs> no reaction whatsoever. Just as if to say, this means nothing to me. I am completely sociopathic. Because that's happened to me a few times with my lovely wife. And I've sat there and kind of go, what, really? No, come on. The, that, the, the shark? Come on. Sorry. But I'll, I'll let you answer that. And then we'll actually talk specifically about the film itself. Uh, I can't think of an example of any time that I've been waiting for a reaction that didn't come. Usually there's an appropriate reaction depending on what it is. The f- the main thing I took away from uh, watching Jaws with Abby the first time she'd seen it and the first time I saw it on a big screen was how funny it is. Yeah, right? It's, it's, it is funny. It's brilliant. Yeah. A lot of the dialogue is just really well done. And we watched the making of documentary. Well, I watched. You were up doing stuff during the the amount of improvisation that was put in mm. place with the act the all the little side actors and character actors the the guy that plays ben gardner was mm. just a, like a local guy on the island and steven spielberg even said that if i didn't cast uh shaw robert shaw as quint i would have cast this guy yeah. because he was just like this like salt of the earth like local local fisherman type that just fit the bill, and he improvises a lot of his scenes. 
he's not in it that much. I think there's a couple of isn't it? There's a bit of dialogue between him and when all the boats are kind of racing out. There's a bit yeah. of there. And that's it. That's of, an improvised piece of dialogue where he talks about like, oh, they wish their mothers had never met their fathers. Mm. <laughs> that's all improvised. But they just rolled the camera and he talked. It's like uh, Shaw improvised a bunch of stuff as well and fun things. It's yeah, it's funny. Yeah. It's fun. And, and he yeah, rewrote. Got into it, just being on boats all the time, you know, feeling this, living the life. <laughs> and the Indianapolis speech was rewritten by Shaw oh. at the very end to fit the way he would say things. Mm. Yeah, I I've said this, you know, a lot because I was watching, I was watching Jaws. You, know, I don't know why my wife and I, we we had a mini Shark Week during lockdown where we watched a lot of shark movies. I don't know why it happened or it wasn't planned. I think you know I, I don't know why I'd been thinking about it or I think someone on Facebook had mentioned you know the Indianapolis scene, and when you watch it again, you sit there and go seriously. Why was Robert Shaw not? I don't, I don't even think he was nominated for an Academy Award that year. I know Richard Dreyfus. I think he, I don't think he, did he win? I think he was definitely up for Best Supporting Actor in that film. I don't know whether he won that year, but like Dreyfus is great in this. You know, he he is great. But if you give me the definition of a supporting actor that pretty much steals every scene he's in, let alone the Indianapolis sequence, is, you know, I, I it just baffles me why yeah. that man was not given a nomination because, you know, I, I do love Robert Shaw because I was watching ITV, have been doing a lot of the old Bonds and they were showing from Russia with Love and I think he's he's great in that in the limited screen time that he's got, although he doesn't know about ordering, you know, the right wine with fish, but let's not find <laughs> that segue. CBG will definitely go, take me up on that one. As the film goes from the island to the boat, and when we are seeing these three guys, and I know I keep referring to this piece that we had written for us on the website a couple of years ago, and it's about the gentle masculinity of the three leads in Jaws. They aren't macho man. They aren't like an Arnold Schwarzenegger. They aren't Rambo. There are three men who, okay, Quint might not, you know, show it, but I think in each of their different ways, they are terrified of of this idea of going out and going up against nature. Mm. And... That, I just love, I mean, all the stuff on the boat. It's almost like there's two different films. And then you kind of yeah. get yes. this kind of this move from the, the, well, the island feels, it's a small island. It feels big. You're relatively safe when you're on land, but then it moves to the boat. And there's, okay, never have I been more terrified by floating yellow barrels. Or, yeah, yeah yellow, <laughs> yellow, yellow, yeah, they are yellow. Yeah, they are yeah. yellow. It's just the atmosphere of the movie is brilliant. And there's like, when they're on the boat, there's the occasional just, like peace, like the barrels are just sort of flowing in the water and you know there's a shark underneath there, you know it could kill them, but it's quiet and like almost the water's so tranquil, but it's mm-hmm. like just fear in the deep. It's it's great. Say like act two is just it's brilliant. That sense of these three guys who I say aren't macho men, but the clash, yeah. like particularly between Quint and Mr. Hooper. I, that's my best Robert Shaw I, that's the best I can do and like it's, what's the line I can never remember it word for word but it's like cage goes in the water shark sharks in the water I can't remember what well, it is yeah, but it, it's along the lines yeah. of you're yeah. gonna get eat and it's this idea that Dreyfus's character because he's a bit of a brat because he's quite a wealthy guy and I know you'll probably maybe know more about this CBG I don't I'm, I could be wrong Abby I don't know but mm. I don't know because in the book in the book there is the whole thing doesn't Hooper sleep with Brody's wife isn't that it there's yeah, that's there's why a, in, the book yeah. he, in the book he dies but in the film he survives because he doesn't sleep with Ellen Brody yeah but, she um she makes quite a lot so if you watch 
the I don't know like extras on the Blu-ray um she the actress she she makes quite a lot of jokes about how she's really upset she never got that sex scene (laughs) (laughs) who who wouldn't you know who wouldn't with the old old Dreyfus but he is I mean from memory CPG he is a bit of a because he's quite wealthy because all the stuff like the boat that they're on it's all his I don't think like it's Mm -hmm. not from there's some stuff that's on the there's the boat, the Orca, that he's going off to do the expedition on that he doesn't go on. Yeah. But a lot of the stuff, like the equipment, that the boat that they use when they're going out to, to look for the shark the first time, I think that's that's Hooper's own, isn't it? And all the equipment yeah. is... The, the first kind of, one that they use is his, and then like all the kind of gas tanks and everything on the Orca are his as well. Yeah, and you get this clash, particularly between Quint's character and Hooper's character, of this idea of, of who knows best how to hunt this shark. And you're going to kind of get Roy Schreider's character kind of left in the middle, this guy that's terrified of seeing where's the worst place you're going to put that person. Oh, just let, let's put him in the, in the middle of the, in the sea on a boat with these two guys that are just bitching at each other it's brilliant uh, re-watching i'd forgotten like the whole times like just when the like, cooper and uh quint when they're kind of walking around each other and just to kind of you'll see like cooper making faces at him just because this idea of just when you you did but we've all been in that when you're just so frustrated with someone and you're constantly button heads and then you get that all that tension and then it's released and probably we were talking about the Indianapolis scene. Another sequence that is one of my favourites in Jaws is that scene where they're just round the table mm-hmm. and they're just it's kind of going, I got that beat, the scar, showing this scar. And yeah. then at the end, it's Hooper's character showing. what I can't remember the name of the the car, of the car woman who broke, she broke my heart. I, yeah, I love so funny. <clears throat> Marianne Moffat. Yes. Oh, good memory. Well, we See? watched the film, what, like three days ago? So it's pretty fresh. Well, you know, you get one. I, I, I got Chrissy. You got the name of that. Abby, you've got no pressure. You've got to come up with a good recall. <laughs> name a woman in Jaws. Yeah. It's, it's not going to happen. Yeah. Uh, you've named them both. <laughs> well, no, we have the mother as well. That's true. Of, That's true. I don't know. Which, if we, if we move away from, for now from the boat back to Amity Island, all the kind of build up in that film is superb like i mean we talk, like i know spielberg has kind of talked he was influenced by hitchcock's vertigo for that mm. dolly shot which is just iconic yeah. it's just like it's just iconic and all the stuff like this class as you said earlier on abby this idea of a man versus the system and the system is basically saying <laughs> right you know uh shops have got to open you've got to wear this is all this kind of stuff oh, isn't it so familiar <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like shops have got to open. We've got to get kids back to school. X, Y, Z. It's safe, I assure you. The R rate is beneath one. That's all what they're saying on Amity Island. And <laughs> you've got one man basically saying, no, we've got to close it all down. I think it's in Jaws. It's either, I think it's a 12. I think it's been reclassified as a 12A, but I think it might have been PG for something like not when, yep. not when it was, it was released. Was no, it was PG when it was released. Was it? Because when you yes. look at it, it, it's a tough. Yeah. It's a tough old film, and I think it's a lot of the credit has to go down. Isn't it? Bill Butler is the DOP on this, and he's mm, such an underrated great. DOP. The visuals, and you know, like of course John Williams' score, and probably oh, I, can't, I can't think of a better use of like diegetic score in cinema. That idea of like we know that a, a shark is not swimming round the sea with a full orchestra. Duh, 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 duh. We know that, but that. I can't think, unless either of you can think of a better example, the only one maybe is maybe Michael Myers in in Halloween, which mm-hmm. brings me to that comparison, what you guys both think of this, that Jaws is, you know, it's, it's a summer B movie with an A-list director, an A-list cast, but it's very much at its heart a slasher movie. 
I don't know what you guys yeah. think of that. Yeah. No, I, I yeah, I don't know. It is, it's shark with just like hate. Like, I don't know. It is a slasher movie apart from I feel like most slasher movies are based around a person or an entity of some kind, <laughs> not a big fish. I had to explain to Abby the whole Brody family curse that they start pulling oh, the strings the, on the, in the, the, the yeah, in the subsequent sequels, which I haven't seen in a long time. I've watched Jaws 2 recently, and I think it holds up. It's it's a bit like Halloween 2. It's got all the ingredients of a Steven Spielberg film without Steven Spielberg. I think he's only producing on that. Same things away with Halloween 2. It's all the same cast and crew largely same cast and crew reassembling. Carpenter wrote the film. He scored the music, but he didn't direct. I forget who was the director on Halloween 2. And it's it's just missing that little bit of ingredient. But there's, you know, Jaws 2 gets overlooked and criminally overlooked. I think it's a really, I don't know, Abby, have you seen Jaws 2? No. <laughs> of, of, of the sequels, right? Watch mm-hmm. Jaws 2 and then that's it. You don't need to worry about Jaws 3. If you've seen <laughs> Deep Blue Sea, You've seen Jaws 3. Uh, hey, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's an insult to Deep Blue Sea, you know? Well, do you know what? It's only because I was re-watching it. There are scenes from Deep Blue Sea that are just lifted from Jaws 3. That whole idea of the shark throwing the person at the screen underwater. Yeah. You know, that's from that's from Deep Blue That's from Jaws 3. It's there. Granted, the special effects in Jaws 3 are... <laughs> terrible and it was i think it was a few years ago i was watching it for the first time in a long time it's this thing i don't know if either of you think this way when you're young you don't notice bad special effects or bad special effects never bothered me when i was younger but gee whiz when i watched jaws 3 it was like oh this is like superman 4 levels of poorness here this is pretty (laughs) bad joe i would i would i don't know cbg you've seen them all so i don't know how you think about this i think for all the shit that jaws revenge gets I think Jaws of Revenge is a better film than Jaws 3. Um, in some ways, yeah. Okay, we don't have For... a shark roaring in Jaws of Revenge or in Jaws 3. <laughs> we don't have that or we don't have the fact that a shark has a, a vendetta, as you've kind of said, against the Brody family. Okay, we don't get that in Jaws 3. Yeah. We don't get the shark that follows them. Isn't it to Hawaii they go to? And it's like the shark's going, I can't let this go. It's like John Wick kind of thing. You killed my puppy. I'm coming to Hawaii. I'm going to take this bitch down. Yeah. It's not that level, but I think in certain ways, it's a better made film. And I know there's a question from Jim McMorrow that I have to ask later on, but um, about relevant to Jaws Revenge. But uh, I think Jaws Revenge, for all the guff that it gets, it's a better film than Jaws 3. I know who would agree with you on that, and it's Michael Caine. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen that. I, I haven't seen the film, but I've seen the house that it built. <laughs> I had a lovely time. I can't do Michael Caine, clearly. I had a lovely time in Hawaii. There's, uh, Michael Caine was asked in an interview, like, how do you pick movies to do? And he says there's like four things that are the reason I pick a movie. And it's director, script, location, and money. And if it gets two out of the four, he'll do it. So obviously Jaws of Revenge was location because they were filming in the Bahamas and money because obviously he got a house with what he got paid. Yeah, obviously. So it was, as you say, it's Bahamas. It's not Hawaii. Of course it is. But uh, no, Abby, don't bother with the sequels. <laughs> but I would definitely recommend Jaws 2 because, of course, it has probably the best tagline in cinema history. Just when you thought it was safe to go back in the water. Because oh, people all... Jaws too, didn't know I don't know. I mean, in space, no one can hear you scream. Is probably my. <laughs> all right. Well, yeah, it's pretty good. But I think Jaws two <laughs> is is up there because that that tagline always gets associated to Jaws. 
but it's That's just true. two. It's just two. And, you know, we'll maybe talk about that when we talk about the any other shark business, when we look at other shark movies. But coming back specifically to Jaws, what else do you guys want to talk about it whilst we're here talking about the film? Uh, I suppose we should probably talk about the, the factor that makes a movie a cult or iconic to me would be the quotability factor and the amount that and the amount of like quotable lines in jaws alone just on the island i mean if you remove all the stuff with the boat yeah if you just focus on the island even just like if you sat down and went i want jaws quotes but i want them from the island bit and i don't want them from any of the main three cast there is god, still a decent god you're so quotes. pedantic you are <laughs> i'm so- saying that's how good the movie is that, that's true. I, 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 I get you. But that just sounds like the most pedantic of kind of... Uh, that just sounds like... I, I could imagine you just sitting in your living room saying, right, I want quotes <laughs> from Jaws, but it can't be from the central three characters. It can't be when they're on the boat. Well, it's not going to be if it's the central three characters. Well, the shark can't speak, unless you just want to go, rawr. Well, yeah. he kind of growls in this way. It's more Jaws Revenge, but the shark does growl like a lion. They, um, they use some dinosaur noises for the shark, yeah. I think. Um, yeah, they so, when yeah. it dies. When it dies, it's screaming like a dinosaur. So, it, yeah. yeah, shark quotes. Yeah. I think everybody knows that you're going to need a bigger boat, kind of quote. And that... <laughs> Which he says, want... like, three more times after Yeah, and he's that. like, can like, we go... Basically, it's just like, can we go, go get a back? bigger boat, right? Get a yeah. bigger boat? Like, it's just... It's one of the things I love about Spielberg. Spielberg is so good at setting us up as viewers on how we're supposed to react and how we're supposed yeah. to feel. Like, you think of, like, before we even mentioned Jaws, like, you think of, like, Jurassic Park, the sequence where you're first properly shown a dinosaur. Mm. You're not, you don't see it as viewers straight away. You see it after we've seen Sam Neill, you know, turning around. Well, actually, Laura Dern's character has to literally physically move his head <laughs> and his jaw drops, and then, you know, he sees the dinosaur. And I... I know it's only been a, maybe two weeks since I saw Jaws, so maybe you guys can correct me since you watched it a couple of days ago. In that sequence, you know, where he's kind of shoveling the chum, mm. when you see the shark, you see it all bit very briefly, and then it's you see Royce Ryder's kind of reaction to it. Yeah. So whilst you're like, for that split second, when you see the shark, it then cuts back. But I could be wrong about this, so um, feel free, listeners or you guys, to correct me. When we see that shark... For the longer time we see, we see it after we've seen uh, Brody's reaction to it. So we now, having seen the film a hundred times or so, or three for you, Abby, you go, "It's a plastic shark. It's a rubber shark. It looks terrible. I'm not terrified of this at all." But you're kind of primed by how Brody's reacted to it. It's it's just something Spielberg throughout all his films, he's so good at doing. Mm. He's so good at, at kind of priming us as viewers how we should react and you think even back to coming back to the beach that scene with the dolly shot that's all there to do it's like to, it's to help your reaction to to what's kind of going on on screen he, i don't think currently there's a better director working in the industry that is as good at priming us at view, as viewers how we should react on screen the fact that we don't see the shark so much is because it didn't fucking work I think Spielberg called yeah. it the Great White Turd. It didn't work as much, yeah. and they were forced then to re- rely on POV shots underwater, the John Williams score. Thank God it didn't work because if you saw that shark all the time, this movie wouldn't be that great. No, no, and I don't, I don't um, even. I think I think if you'd seen the shark more, I don't think you would get those, you know, the shots of the limbs kind of floating to the bottom of the sea. I don't, mm. I don't think you would have got that. But again, no. that's another really, it's its a reaction thing. It's its something that, you know, when you see like a leg slowly drop into the bottom of the ocean oh, with a yeah. bit of blood, that, that primes you as a viewer. 
as as how you're supposed to react but um, um so well, there's a great scene um which is back on the island when the two guys have the wife's christmas ham or whatever it is they took it off the pier yeah and you never see the shark but you see the pier coming to get this guy and his friend is screaming from the shore like trust me trust me don't look back just keep swimming <laughs> and you know there's a shark under there but yeah. it's just a pier chasing this guy and it's more terrifying than if there was a big rubber shark just yeah because because i love in that sequence just kind of it's going out to sea it's going out to sea and then once the guy the one of the fishermen's in the water you just see it turning yeah it's so <laughs> spooky because it just looks like it's just doing it but you know it's being controlled by like this 20 foot shark do you know what else is what when you watch stuff now as viewers, when you rewatch something like for the umpteenth time, you see how often it's been parodied. It's how often it's been parodied or, or replicated. Like I mentioned, the Deep Blue Sea with with okay, it's Jaws three, but even that piercing from mm. Jaws, that's kind of parodied or kind of stu- used in. I don't really want to talk too much about it, but Godzilla, you know, and the oh, Matthew yeah. Broderick Godzilla, that's there. Because I was kind of saying when we were, wa- I was watching it with my wife, going, well, "Where have I seen this sequence as well? Who else copied that? I'm sure it's been copied elsewhere." But it's in it's in uh, Godzilla. Just okay. It's just when they're out. I think they're out fishing, and you just see Godzilla just coming up out of the water. It's a slightly different, slightly differently done sequence, but it's definitely yeah. an homage to to Jaws. All that stuff, like as you say, the the wooden, all that kind of stuff. The end of the pier, the barrels. They you shouldn't be scared of those things. But as you say, Abby, you have to realize that there's a big shark, and because we can't see it, we all automatically think it's bigger than what it actually is we think it's more terrifying more nasty when we actually see it it's like yeah, it doesn't look that big yes yeah, right. I, I can tackle it so some of the scenes um when hooper's in the cage under the boat a lot of those were shot with a very small person using yeah. real sharks to kind of create that illusion mm. and um you know the scene where jaws is like on top of the cage like thrashing around and it's all broken yeah. apart that was because a shark got stuck in the rigging so it was like an all like an accident yeah. and yeah it but it works because it, so it's a miniature cage that they're using in that scene and it just gives you a lot of perspective and you do actually think the shark seems huge there that's because they're yeah. real sharks so, i didn't know that i, I didn't I, yeah. I, I didn't know can i i suppose that's kind of the old kind of forced perspective kind of thing as you kind of say that that camera trick to, to give the illusion of size because yeah. uh when you when you do see the shark particularly when it's not the the fake shark when it's mm. it's cutaway footage that's only used sparingly in this film it's used more in the other films you you do get a, a lose that sense of scale of how big the actual shark is and at times like i mean there's i'm trying to think there's a sequence in the is it the lake or what is it they call refer to it the, the, as the, oh, the pond the pond where you just yeah. see the shark underwater you it's huge at that point and mm. when you see of course like there's no denying it the bit at the end, we keep jumping from the island to the, the boat. Yeah. Apologies, listeners. We should have done this chronologically. But uh, <laughs> that sequence where the shark jumps, you know, by that time, you don't care. No. By that, time, by that time, you don't care. You know it's a big rubber thing. You know it's not a real shark. Yeah. But it's, I think, watch, I think, watch, uh, I don't know. Again, coming back to you guys, you know, you, you probably guys have seen this more recently in the cinema than I have. Sometimes in sequence, because I'm thinking of when I went to see Nightmare on Elm Street for the first time with an audience, and it was a quite drunken audience at one of the, the QFTs, mm. cult cult screenings, when God they did them late night. The yeah, <laughs> when they did them late night, and people were pretty drunk, 
and they find themselves laughing at Nightmare on Elm Street and they find, you know, I, I got grumpy because I'm that person that loves Nightmare on Elm Street. I was terrified by the film when I was younger, but to find people laughing at stuff because some of that visual effects have dated. I don't know that any of you have that. Like, I know I kind of laugh at home gently to myself. At that, Particularly, that's probably the one sequence I think just maybe doesn't work when a shark literally just jumps, jumps out, out of the water and is... And just kind of splats down onto the boat. <laughs> it's it's the one I think it's the one of them I I just think just of all of them. But there's no way round it. You've got to you've kind of got to get that shark from A to B, and probably that's the best way you're going to do it. Then any use when you were watching that cinema, did you find anybody laughing at some of the special effects in this? Uh, I didn't think I noticed anyone laughing at the special effects. So I don't know. I feel like maybe by that point you're so enthralled by seeing this from the characters, like as you were saying, for Spielberg's just great at making you feel or react the way he wants to, that you're so in that zone. But by the point that the shark is just flopping around and jumping out and doing crazy shit, blowing up, you're just like, yeah, this is fine. I see this. This is You're just so into it and seeing it from the characters and how they feel that you doesn't, I don't even care anymore. Like he, he yeah. can do whatever at that point, like anything I'd, I'd be for it. <laughs> Yeah, because I think it comes back to that, but you care about the three guys. Mm-hmm. That's the that's the thing that that's, that this film works so well. When we talk about it in horror movies, you get scared because you care. And when you care and you're invested in three characters, they might be dicks to each other and they might squabble and kind of argue like, like I'm sorry, like old women. But uh, you care about them. So by the time all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. you, you don't want bad stuff to happen to Quint, but bad stuff does happen to Quint. And it's it's stuff like that is why you're so surprised this film was a PG. Genuinely, you yeah. kind of... Yeah, kind of I go- don't know how they did it. <laughs> they explain it in the making of documentary. I think one of the producers um, basically says the reason it got a PG rating is because we were able to argue that it's not... Uh, yes, that you could... Re- it's not like repeatable. Like, like kids aren't going to go out and start friends, eating people yeah. on the beach because they can't. So it's nature, it's natural, it happens. Because so. the only other thing I was going to think, like the BBFC, I know are quite kind of prone to when we get discussions about, like I'm thinking of recently with Joker, which was mm. a 15 rather than 18. A lot of people complained about it. I think it was the most complained film about last year mm. with it in terms of its viewing certificate. And their argument was that the scenes <clears> of <throat> violence and on-screen violence, they don't linger and they don't show people's you know, pain and misery. The only sequence I would say that that maybe doesn't work with in relation to Jaws is that final sequence with Quint. You have like the iconic, like if you look at IMDb, I'm looking at now, albeit behind me here, and you kind of see that, like you see the, with, with Quint, the blood, etc., kind of being spitting out of his mouth. That's the only sequence I think really where things are lingered on as well. Yeah, it could be yeah. quite... I think if for the wrong child, that could be quite harrowing. Like... <laughs> It's a lot, this shark eating a guy, but I suppose that's what PG is for, parental guidance. You're supposed to watch it first and decide. Yeah, but. cinema is not a babysitting service. Know your yeah. children, people. Because I know, I, I've talked about this before in this podcast, so apologies to regular listeners. I remember the first time I ever saw Jaws, my mother and my grandmother, we used to just kind of do what everyone's doing now or going to have to do for a while, staycation. And we went to Galway. Yeah. And in the old days, cinemas used to have, or not cinemas, in the old days, hotels would either go to Extra Vision or somewhere and rent a film and put it on and say Channel 9 and they would say on at 8 o'clock at this night we're going to be showing say Shawshank Redemption something that comes first thing that comes to my head and I had went out that day and bought Jaws 
for the first time on VHS. I have it still somewhere, probably back in Oma or at my parents. And I remember coming down and it was whatever film it was, it looked a bit guff. And I was like, oh, I said to my mum, I was maybe only about, you know, maybe 10, 11. I don't know specifically how old it was. And I said to mum, do you think if I went down, they would change it? And I kind of went down with the VHS, kind of like a bit like the scene in Oliver. Please, sir. Could we show can this? Can I watch Jaws, sir? Can I, can I watch Jaws, sir? Please, sir. Please. More teeth, sir. <laughs> and um, I was like, it was a guy and a girl, and the guy was like, um, can't really, because it's kind of on the sheet here. People will be complaining. And this girl, who wouldn't have been that old, she'd maybe be about 19 or 20, just was like, you know what? Yeah. Give us it here. CBG, any, Abby, you've watched this recently, so unless you had a really traumatic experience, you know, if you really want it, that might still be an open Oh, uh, you know, I lost my leg to that shark a few years yeah. back, so it's pretty hard to watch. No. Yeah, it, 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 it might be still an open wound that hasn't quite yeah. healed. But what about you, CBG? Can you remember kind of when you first saw Jaws or roughly when you first saw Jaws? Good question. I would hazard a guess that I was probably in my early teens, maybe around 12 or 13. Could have been younger. I don't know. I really don't remember. It's, it's like Jaws is one of those movies where it's always just been. Yeah, it's like osmosis. You kind of just yeah. absorb the knowledge that everything that happens in the film and you're not quite certain when and where you saw it first. I just have that vivid memory, that time in Galway. So that, that might not even be... I can't imagine it couldn't be because I don't know why I would have went out and got it on VHS or bought it in VHS from Pocket Money. I can't imagine why... I would have rushed to get it. I would have spent my five or six pound, whatever it was, for that if I hadn't seen it before. But maybe I had. I don't know. But, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's just one of those films. It's probably by the time you've seen it so many times. We all know my grandmother talking about Nightmare on Elm Street earlier. She, you know, she's the person, that reason why I love horror. She sat one time on a car journey from our house in Oma to Clonky County Down. And I was maybe only about eight. I sat in the back seat, sprawled out. She sat on the, the passenger seat with her head turned round and proceeded from the time we left Oma to the time we reached Clocky. Tell me almost shot for shot what happened in Nightmare on Elm Street. That is <laughs> and, brilliant. Yeah, and she kind of, oh, and then this happened and then that happened. Oh, and then, you know, he comes out of the bed and there's blood everywhere. And, this, and I was like, going, yeah, I can't wait to watch this, Granny. And oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it, it could be a situation like that. I don't know, but... That's my memory of watching. I've seen it umpteen times since. I've seen it a couple of times at the cinema. I know for sure. That's when I think of the first time I saw Jaws. Whether it's truthful or not, that's the time I remember. I'll give you enough time to think about it, CBG. Anything coming to mind? Your teens? Anything? I'm not a big horror like movie person. Like I don't like watching things that elicit like horror, or panic, or any form of being scared so i well, rarely gauge that because of claire of that. you know the yeah. fact that how what's happened with you with claire during the covid pandemic you're clearly someone that's easily startled yeah i mean i probably would be similar to uh your friend your guy who's going to be watching the host that you were talking about uh <laughs> i would not be able to sit through something like that Mm, this gives like me an idea for, you for, for a future podcast <laughs> if you do I that mean, i'll do it for entertainment value but I just it's um it's it's knowing what I what I like and I would always like I I pride myself on having never walked out of a film is one of the things even I've seen some terrible films but I've never paid for something and then not finished watching it I have I've walked out of something before can do you remember what it was Oh I remember uh it was the <laughs> Rutger Hauer film 
Hobo with a shotgun. Yeah, I walked. I haven't seen that. that, but I heard it was amazing. I'm surprised it was that. Well, do you know what it was? Again, bringing back my lovely wife. Now she works. She's the manager of uh, an ice dress company, but at the time she was the manager of a a nursery. And there's a sequence in Hobo with a shotgun, which is pretty tough. And I know it's kind of all meant to be tongue in cheek, but there's a sequence where a guy with a flame floor. I, I think I've, that's how I've never seen the rest of the film. I've been told I should go back and rewatch it. But it's a sequence where a guy with a flame thrower goes onto a school bus and basically burns a lot of children. And oh. at the time, my wife was just, she got really upset at that point. And I said, look, do you want to go? And I wasn't loving the film that much. It wasn't a case like I remember going to see years ago and when I went on a date with someone many years ago who wasn't my wife. And I can't remember what the film was, but she just didn't like it. And she's like, uh, can, can we go? I, I'm going to go. And I was like, no, I've, I've paid to see this. She's like, if you want to go, go. And she just left. <laughs> Needless to say, she wasn't the one. But yeah, like, this situation, I wasn't that. Inv- I wasn't that invested in the film. My wife was really upset. I said, "You know what? Let's." Well, girlfriend, then I was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, let's go." And I've never felt the need to go back and revisit it. It was just a really. Na- it was just a nasty film. At times, it was nasty for the sake of it. But Abby, have you ever walked out of a film? Um, not at the cinema, but there are films that I I haven't finished for sure. Um, yeah. Neon Demon comes to mind. Okay, which is a winding Rathbone movie. I, it's not because it was horrific. It was just awful. <laughs> how, People, far did, how far did you get into it? Probably like an hour. Okay. It's, like, it's pretty short, so I suppose I just left the end. People are going to disagree with me on that because it's beautiful and blah, blah, blah. It's just a terrible storyline and then I don't know, people start eating each other and I was like, I can't handle <laughs> this anymore. My answer to Neon Demon is it's style over substance, but oh my God, what, what style it is. It's not... Yes, no, yeah. you know, he, it's beautiful. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm not a massive fan of film, but I don't hate it like others. Uh, I'm not a massive fan of the filmmaker. I don't really like Only God Forgives. Yeah. You know, definitely if you have issues with your mother, definitely don't watch that film. And uh, I, I don't love, I, I, I like Drive, but I don't love Drive to the point that other people just want to know every single bit about every frame of that film. But no, I, I get that. Neon Demon's fully understandable that I find too horrific to watch just tend to be Holocaust movies. I just can't handle it. It makes me too sad. It makes me too upset. Some of them are too violent. Can't do it. There's so many of those that I've walked out of or just not watched or freaked out. So, Yeah. That's, yeah, I, I get you. I get you. I'm trying to think of a, of a way of bringing this back to Jaws. Yeah, to other Jaws. Than, <laughs> other, <laughs> awful other than scary. going, you know, <laughs> back to Jaws. But, you know, if we do that and go, Back to Jaws. We were talking well, there about yeah. how you know film uh, Spielberg shows you how you should react or great sequences. We've talked a lot about sequences on the boat. We've talked a bit about you know the the island. One of my favorite scenes on the island. And again, it's there's there's, there's little scenes between the Brody family that I love. Um, was it give me a kiss because mm. I need it? You're like, yeah, that, that, I find that seem very weird. I don't know, it feels very intense to me. <laughs> <laughs> I think Roy Schreider is an intense yeah. actor. You know, he there's no getting away from that. And I love that sequence, the fact that his casual alcoholism... We, I was actually talking about this last night because we watched uh, Peeping Tom and Amber had never seen Peeping Tom, so we threw it on. And it's kind of weird, like, in the 60s and 70s, casual alcoholism was just like, yeah, it's all right. Yeah, it's okay, it's <laughs> fine. And you know, is it different now? <laughs> you hope so. You get a hope so. Attitudes have changed a little bit, That's but uh, you know, in that sequence, like particularly when 
Hooper comes over for dinner with the wine mm-hmm. and uh, Brody just has fills, I think, pretty much a pint glass with wine or a big, yeah. big glass full of wine. You know that that g- glass was also full of the alcohol he was already drinking before? Like he just pours it on top <laughs> of whiskey or something. Yeah, we noticed that when we were yeah, watching it a couple like of days ago. It's like, didn't that have something? It's got ice like he, cubes and something it brown ice in it. Cubes and like brown in it, and he just pours wine on top of it. <laughs> Whis- whiskey, you know, a whiskey chaser with wine as the mixer. Why? Yeah. I don't, I don't know what you would call that. You know, I, yeah. I, I don't know, but I, I actually love that that those little <laughs> moments. So that kind of like because you just see someone uh, as you as we keep coming back to. And I know Abby, you mentioned at the start this idea of one man who's going up against the system, going up against the, a mayor, Murray Hamilton, that says no, everything has to be reopened. We have to get it back up. You cannot raise concerns. You cannot have people not going to the beach. And this idea of of everything just kind of getting totally just completely on, on top of him and you see probably the, that that's his only time when he's sitting at the dinner table able to unwind when he's not talking mm. about a great white shark when he's not talking about this that and the other and then you just see this lovely scene with the child replicating what he's doing that's, it is very cute and then he's just like give me a kiss don't know mm. why he talks like that it's like why because i need it i love that but that isn't even yeah. the scene i was going to talk about the scene i, I do love is where they have to cut open, isn't it? The tiger shark? That yes. They, the oh, yeah. And again, it's that great thing of, you know, Spielberg's great at showing us how we're meant to react. Because we see these two guys and they cannot stand the smell of of what they're kind of, when they yes. cut open this tiger shark and the smell. And the fact is, they don't know. They gen- Well, okay, Hooper's quite certain they're not going to find the body of this young boy in this shark. Mm-hmm. But, like, there is that distinct possibility you could and there's that fear and then the smell and it's just like kind of like again you talk about the humor what is it like the he's like he says i think he came up from the upstream it's like why and it's how can you tell and he pulls out is it a number plate i can't remember it's a number plate yeah Yeah, from louisiana yeah and just all that stuff you know it's it's a great scene there's there's so many like you talk about quotes there's just so many iconic moments in jaws and it's as long as we think about the big moments there's so many small moments. And I think that's what I think elevates it from just a standard B-movie fodder. Because, you know, people kind of talk about it being a film that changed the scape of event cinema. We already had kind of had a few event films before that, like the likes of Godfather, stuff like that. There had been event films. Yeah, like Gone this... with the Wind is a very strange example. But <laughs> you, 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 can't talk, you, can't talk about, you can't talk about Gone with the Wind anymore, Abby. You can't talk well, about it. Well, it existed, however awful its content is. <laughs> it, it did. This is very true. But, you know, the, the thing is that before Jaws and stuff like that, a film like Gone with the Wind was considered a summer blockbuster, mm. which is yeah. bizarre to me. Like they've kind of changed. Like right now in August, this should be right in the middle of the blockbuster season for cinema. Oh. And you look at how Jaws. There's no denying Spielberg's film. It is a it is a B movie. Yeah, not uh, Jay Seinfeld's B movie, but it is a B movie that has an A list cast, A list director, A list talent involved complete from start to finish and i think that's what elevates it it's why you know we don't get like sharknado or whatever them they are are many of sharknado films that knows exactly what it is but it has no aspirations beyond that jaws is a film that i think has aspirations beyond it and probably because of the technical things that happened during the making of the film we mentioned the great white turd that didn't work that those are things where filmmakers had to adapt and and they ended up making a, a much better film than probably Jock, what we would have got. Jocker sank once while they were out at sea, and mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> they lost uh, loads of sound equipment, cameras, all that kind of stuff. 
Yep. Apparently yeah. there were days where they just wouldn't get anything shot. Yeah, they were like, there's a, there were days where we if we got one sixteenth of a page, it was a good day. Yeah, like a script that just, yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, that will be tough. Struggle making that movie. He's had a tough time of it, but I think he's come out of it okay in the end. Oh, it's Spielberg. I think he's kind of done okay out of yeah. those tough... Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think he's okay for a few, Bob. I think he, I think he might go somewhere. I've kind of come out to think that. I think, <laughs> I think Spielberg, he might go somewhere. You know, this man's got talent. Yeah, yeah. No, just kind of generally, I think we'll maybe move on to any other shark business. You know, is there anything else you feel we haven't really touched on, or anything you really kind of last things before before we move on? Anything you want to say about Jaws, other than the fact that it's bloody brilliant? <laughs> <laughs> well, there was one thing that I learned from watching the making of documentary that I did not know. And considering that I am a font of all useless knowledge, uh, there's the, the ones there's the scene in jaws where they're chasing after the shark with the barrel in it, and Hooper's driving. And then Quint's on the sort of, he's on that seat with a fishing pole. And apparently they had to shoot this scene, this one shot of him turning and shouting at Hooper, uh, starboard Hooper, ain't you watching? Uh, which is a very short scene, and it's you know, it's literally one shot of that, and then they cut to something else. And so it was like, you just need to get this one sentence out. But everyone had suffered really bad seasickness because obviously they'd spent days at sea, mm-hmm. rocking back and forth. And if you're not used to that, you will eventually lose your lunch. It's um, not a nice feeling. It's not a nice feeling. Been no, there, done not. that. I've been there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but apparently, uh, Robert Shaw was really feeling it that day, and. It was apparently a struggle just to get him to sit in the chair because he was in like pain. Like if you touched him, he would be like in pain mm. from how seasick he was. And he sat in the it's like Richard Dreyfus tells the story in the in the making of. And he sits in the chair and he's like like dying in this chair basically. And then they hit the they they call action and he roars his line over his shoulder towards where Richard Dreyfus is standing for the eyeliner or whatever. And Richard Dreyfus is like, I was actually like stumbling back from the force of which he said this line. And then they called cut and he immediately went back into, I'm in serious pain. Well, no, he immediately then threw up everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> but it just goes to show the, the dedication mm. of those guys to make that movie. It was took a like, lot to make that movie. I think it, yeah. it shows how much effort and ingenuity, because it's, it's, you know, it's not just a B movie. It's something different about it because they had to come up with all these different ideas and do it a different way than they originally thought. Yeah. It's, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, lightning it's... In a, lightning in a ball. Cause I don't, I can't think of another like creature feature that is as big as Jaws. I mean, you probably could argue something like, I don't know, gremlins for cult, Mm. history or you know you could you know shark movie you could even say something like you know deep blue sea i think that did quite well at the box office and well you're you're almost going to preempt my next quite well yeah. the next part of this podcast when we do any other shark business i would probably say a creature feature uh i'd probably say the closest thing to this in terms of the tension of something when it's not it's you know it's just as big a presence when it's not on screen as when it is the rare times the sharks on screen in this film i'd probably say Ridley Scott's Alien, in a way, is probably the closest. Yeah, I, I don't think of that as a creature feature, but yeah. yeah, it is. It's also a slasher movie, technically. So, well, Ridley Scott has said it's Texas Chainsaw Massacre in space. That's the yeah, you know he took the inspiration from Texas Chainsaw about you know he just wanted to create this kind of level of tension and the tension in Alien just at times just becomes you know just 
too much. That's the only one I can think of in terms of a creature feature of sorts. I know you're gonna, I know you where you're coming from, CBG. Maybe don't count that. It's it's definitely no, not I think you should. It's definitely not Anaconda. Having rewatched that recently, but we'll not talk about. It. We'll save that for the last uh, part of this pod. And I think with that, we shall move on to part three of the podcast. Okay, guys. So part three of the podcast. It's normally any other business, but this week it's any other shark business. And I know we're using that. We can you can go other animals if you so wish. You kind of preempted me, CBG, when I kind of said there. What has been the film for you both that have that has come closest to replicating the magic of Jaws? I kind of have mentioned Alien. I've got a few other, a few other if I'm sticking with shark movies. I'll hold back for now. But I'll, I'll start with you, Abby. What's for you has been the closest you've seen replicating the magic of what you saw in Jaws? Oh my god, I have absolutely no idea how to answer this question. Ask Seeds. <laughs> That's okay. CBG, for you, what's been the, the closest? You were ready to kind of give us some answers there, or give us some your thoughts. What's been the closest, do you think, in replicating the magic of Jaws? Whether you want to stick to shark movies, or whether you want to go for something completely random. Uh, I think there's there's two that stick out. One of them is a shark movie, and one of them's not. The shark movie is, I've already mentioned, Deep Blue Sea. Uh, it it works because it it takes a sort of ridiculous situation and just puts like normal people in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we we've been genetically engineering sharks in order to fix Alzheimer's, or I can't remember the plot of that movie. Um, but it works because it's got these like characters that are they're kind of just like like your standard movie like sort of stereotypical character you've got you know ll cool j is your chef and stuff um and you've got uh probably one of the greatest uh i can't believe they just killed that guy moments in film which if you haven't seen deep blue i won't spoil because it's one of the best parts of the entire film uh, although the cgi is ropey as hell in that scene if you watch it again it's like ugh, it's really bad but i can remember renting that uh one night with my dad and we sat down and watched it and having only seen Jaws at that point, shark movie-wise, it was kind of like, I've seen two shark movies and they're both pretty good, so are all shark movies good? And I think Sharknado has proved that that's not true. I enjoyed Sharknado. I mean, it's not good, but I enjoyed it. Yeah. Really? I, yeah. You see, I, I've always talked this. I'm night and day. If I'm not someone who takes perverse pleasure from watching something that's so bad that I think it's good. I don't believe in Schadenfreude and that kind of that concept of like it's so bad, it's good. I don't I, take... I watch movies sometimes that are just so awful I enjoy them. That would be something one of my like guilty pleasures in life is just watching terrible movies. This is true, but then you see the the thing about Sharknado and I kind of alluded to this earlier on, it has no ambition in itself. It knows sure. that it's trying to be a, sh- a schlocky B-movie. You know, people talk about, you know, bad films. Like, we think of The Room, right? Or Room. I always get those two confused. You know, they didn't set out to make a schlocky... Be- they thought they were making Shakespeare. They thought they were making, you know, something that's equivalent to A Streetcar Named Desire. That's kind of what oh. they came in. They they think... They, they came into that thinking that they were going to make, uh, you know, something with ambition. You think of, you know probably Tim Burton's best film, Ed Wood. You know, you see a director that is making schlocky B-movie stuff, but he thinks they're Shakespeare. 
He thinks they're the best thing ever since sliced bread. And that's well always defend. Like, like if something's a terrible film, but you see what they're trying to do, I'll defend it. But if something's like Sharknado and you go, this is just right back of a cigarette pack idea. We have sharks and we have a tornado. You've done it again, Howard. That kind of thing. <laughs> I know I've, I've watched the first one. I've never felt the need to, to watch. I don't know. Is there five or six Sharknado films? I don't know. There could be more by now. <laughs> Hang on, I'll Google oh, it. <laughs> CBD is determined, but you—you've all that kind of shark movies. You—that's we come back to. Like Jaws is a B movie. There's no way around it. But it's just—it's got ambition. It's got talent behind it that yeah. elevates it. But you look at all the stuff like there's Ghost Shark, there's Shark in Venice, there's uh, Mega Shark versus Giant Octopus. There's—I can't remember the name of the film with uh, John Barryman with one of the worst lines ever muttered in cinema. Apologies, Abby, if this does offend you. I don't know, CBG, if you if you know the line I'm going to say. I, I know exactly the line. I think it's all about... Um, I, I can't remember. Now that I've, now, I think I'm just getting embarrassed myself, but it's John Barryman utters a line. Uh, how, about, how about we go home and I eat your pussy? You're like, all right, okay, John. All right, no bother. You've done it again, John. But, <laughs> Do you know uh, why he did that? Oh, I, I don't want to know. The, the, because the actress was like he couldn't get any reaction out of her because she wasn't in his words a good actress okay so he was like i'm just gonna say one of the most like foul things that i can get to try and get a reaction <laughs> out of her and that didn't even fucking work so maybe she was just that much of a pro she's just like she's playing uptight <laughs> bitch so she's just in character she's maybe as method as christian bale uh i can't that's megalodon no not megalodon it's one of those kind of like it's an oversized shark we have the meg yeah. And I know you, because I was talking about this on my own personal Facebook feed when Amber and I were doing Shark Week, and I think you mentioned the Meg, or as you called it, the Meh CBG. <laughs> I don't, I don't like the Meg. I, I'm not going to sit here and go, I think it's Shakespeare, but I think there's a sense, and it sounds like I'm being a hypocrite here, but it, <laughs> it, there's a sense that it knows what it's trying to do. But I do think there's a sense there's some talented people involved. I have a soft spot for the Stath. What can I say? That film just exists for Jason Statham to say in his Jason Jason Statham way. My God, it's a megalodon. That's that, and you know what? If that's the only reason that film exists, exists, boom. That's all right. You've done it. Yeah. You've, you've done it again, Howard. But um, I, I don't, I don't love the Meg. I think it's. It's it wears its nods to Jaws quite knowingly, and I I don't you know I think you could there well how much really scope or scale can you really get with a film about you know one shark sorry listeners two giant giant sharks and we know and we know we're going to get Megs or the Meg too that's happening possibly after COVID Statham has said it's happening because thanks China it made enough money but I I didn't mind it as much. You know, I think for those B movie of those kind of scale, I think it's it's the the Oscar winner of those kind of the Sharknado stuff, Ghost Shark, Shark in Venice, Sand Shark, uh, I can't, Toilet Shark. I might have made one of those up. I don't know. Feel free to interject. Which yeah, I was one. like, what is a Toilet Shark? I I'll like watch it. It sounds like something I'd watch. <laughs> you know what? I would imagine someone has made that. <laughs> I, I I would imagine uh, you know if someone's made a film that they've made it like isn't it COVID. Covid zombie or something like that. They they they've already made that film. They they've got that done and dusted. If uh, I was going to make a creature film about like an animal coming from a toilet, I definitely do crocodile, not shark. 
Mm-hmm. Well, who was it? I'm trying to think. It was uh, not David Lynch. Who was it? Did yeah, David Lynch. No, David Cronenberg. David Cronenberg did Shivers with the weird kind of like squiggly alien kind of creatures. Oh yeah. I'm nearly, I'm nearly certain mm-hmm. there's a sequence with uh, one of those squiggly things coming up from the the toilet. Or Ghoulies is another one I'm thinking of, which is a pretty terrible film from memory because I just remembered there's a picture. I think the cover of that is just one of those creatures sitting in the toilet because you don't. I want think to be it grabbed. is. You yeah. don't want to be grabbed by the ghoulies, but um, I don't mind the Meg. I know you're not a fan of it, though, CBG. No, but Abby has actually reminded me of another film that we should mention. Uh, Lake Placid. Mm. The giant crocodile alligator, I'm not sure which is which, uh, movie. I'm just thinking of that family guy, Skip now, where you can, how can you tell a, uh, an alligator in terms of um, in a room of crocodiles? I can't remember because well, one of them can stand up. I think I can't remember it specifically. Yeah. But I know there's a family guy scared about that. It's got something to do with the shape of their nose, but I can never yeah. remember. Yeah. Uh, I do like Lake Placid. And on that note, have either of you seen Crawl? No. Which was released, I think, last year, the year before. You know, it's a Ron Seal movie. It knows exactly what it wants to do. It says exactly what it says on the tin. And it's pretty good. It's tough going as, you know, Sam Raimi's involved. I think as an exec producer, he's not directing. And I would definitely recommend it. It's, it's a tense feature. There's, it's because we watched it actually, my wife and I watched it way back at the start of lockdown. Because I think it came on Sky or Now TV. Uh, no, actually, tell like, it was on one of those like Amazon Prime. Other, of course, retailers and online streaming services are available. It was one of their one ninety nine rentals that they sometimes throw up from time to time. And it was a case of, I haven't seen Crawl. Yeah, let's watch this. And I thoroughly enjoyed myself. I haven't seen Lake Placid in a long, long time. I, th- I re- remember back in the days of ExtraVision, I rented a lot of, back in the days when you could rent like three, four films for like a tenner. We rented a lot of films and Lake Placid was in that pile. And it was the ones near the end that we watched. And I think I might have dozed off. So I don't think I've given it its full justice, but bear with me, listeners. It was probably like five in the morning. And we had probably watched a lot of guff, you know, mm-hmm. back in the good old days when you used to rent, you know, not from the new release section, but you used to go, oh, why would I spend three pound or whatever it is on a new release and get it for one night when I can get all these old goodies for, you know, a week. And yeah. we just binge watched. But I, I do remember, Lake, you know, pardon the pun, there's a bit of teeth with Lake Placid. It's a pretty solid creature feature. Yeah. And it's very much like aware of how ridiculous it is. Mm hmm. So it has a lot of uh, humor in it that I think was missing from something like the Meg. I think the Meg took itself way too seriously for what it was. I think there's a bit of sense of humor in the Meg. I think when you have Jason Statham uttering, that's a megalodon. I think you've got to accept that you, you're going to have a bit of fun with it. I think yeah. it does. Uh, there's no denying, you know, there is. I, can, I think it has ambitions beyond its station, but I don't think that's a bad thing. I just think it loses itself in that kind of transatlantic cell. You see so many films now, like a big example people talk about is, oh, Independence Day Resurgence, which was, you know, this big blockbuster sequel to Independence Day. But we have then just, you know, visual visual gags like, oh, let's urinate on a dead carcass of one of the aliens because, oh, that's not just funny in America. That's funny in China. It's funny anywhere, all that kind of stuff. You know, I think for those kind of transatlantic kind of projects that are often very kind of, stale and very clean cut because they're trying to be designed to sell to China, America, Europe, all the markets. There's enough of a bit of personality for me in the Meg that is definitely absent in some of those other big kind of 
kind of Chinese American co-productions. A lot of them. What's the one skyscraper? You know, with the rock. I'm, I'm looking. Oh at yeah, you, yeah. Which is very just kind of like it's just too clean cut. But anyway, that's just me. Have any of you seen? Because this was actually the film I think that started our own Shark Week here at Lady Wallace, and and that was The Shallows. I haven't seen it. No, I haven't seen that one either. Oh gosh, we're great at talking about these. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 it's good. I, I would definitely recommend. I think I said on my comments at the time, I think The Shallows is probably my second favourite shark movie. I have heard that it is a good shark Is that movie. the one where the woman's like on her own in the middle of the ocean and she's got like nothing but a seagull for company? She's not in the middle of the ocean. Basically, she's in a kind of little kind of, she's not far from the shore. She's out, a shark, there's a, there's a whale gets washed up and it gets starts, you know, it dies. So fish as they do, you know, there's no kind of no time lost. They start to eat at the whale. And a shark comes, it gets stuck in this little the shallows, of course, the aforementioned shallows of the title. And when she's out kind of uh windsurfing or not windsurfing, snowboarding, not snowboarding, definitely not snowboarding in the sea. She's surfing in the sea, she gets attacked by a shark and she can't swim back. She gets stuck on a rock with the aforementioned Steven Seagull. And it's pretty good because it, it again it's it's not just about which is something we didn't real we kind of hinted at with Jaws. It's not just a you know man against shark. It's you know there's there's other things at play and in the shallows it's the idea of the fight or flight mentality what do you do when you find yourself in that scenario and also if i could speak for a second as a red-blooded male you also have blake lively who's just possibly the most beautiful woman in the world right now currently i would say she's she's up there you know other than my wife of course you know there's my <laughs> wife course, and then there's, there's 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 blake lively and uh you know wow wowie that's all I can say in that film. Sorry, listeners, if I've offended anybody with my casual sexism and objectification of Blake Lively. Uh, I'm sorry, Ryan Reynolds, for objectifying your wife, but she is absolutely stunning. But she's also great in that film as well. Uh, there's yeah. other films as well. Like I was kind of, I've made a small list of stuff we've watched, like The Reef, which I think is on Prime. It's okay. It's a low budget, and they made a lot about the fact they use real sharks for the film it's it's a bit meh and I think they made the guy that made that also made took if we moved to alligators or shark or not alligators or crocodiles and it's always alligators I think they're they're clearly the more aggressive of the two I think he made the film Blackwater which I know has a sequel Blackwater Abyss mm-hmm. um which again I for the reef I haven't seen Blackwater the reef just did nothing for me it was about as much fun as open water I don't know if either of you've ever seen open water no <laughs> You, you, you're not honestly see you might sound like going oh my god we haven't seen this film it's like you really have not missed much it kind yeah. of came it came about uh, after the kind of the Blair Witch kind of boom when everybody wanted to do found footage this idea of two a couple that go out scuba diving and they get left behind in the boat in the middle of the sea and it's one of the dullest films I think I've ever had the misfortune found footage through. movies are very hit or miss they can be really like Blair Witch, spooky, you feel in the moment, but other times it's just like this is just boring and it just feels like bad camera work. Yeah, well, fine, for, I mean, fine footage I just have issues with because so many, unless it's a really well-made one that knows all the rules of a fine footage, why are we have, why have we discovered this footage? How are people, yeah. why are people carrying on shooting? How are you getting, getting certain scenes like there's fine footage movies that just completely forget that they're fine footage and you have these massive kind of uh, exterior shots and kind of kind of cast away or pan panning shots you're like 
you, you wouldn't get that. And that's just me. Why have you got a soundtrack in a found footage movie? Because it shouldn't be there. And that's just me being really pedantic. So, Abby, the last time I came to you, you know, you weren't kind of certain about kind of what you wanted to say for something that's replicated the magic of Jaws. So have you had time now to think of anything you might? I know we kind of jokingly mentioned before the recording, we could go for like a Jaws kind of Shawshank Redemption yes. kind of like crossover. A, it's so, it's my idea and pitching it to the world. So nobody steal it. But I think that we could do a remake of the Shawshank Redemption but with sharks in an aquarium. And I think it could be brilliant. And I think they could have camaraderie, brotherhood, you know, could be could be great. I'm, trying to, I'm just trying to think. As long as you get Morgan Freeman back to oh, you have to. Andy Dufresne was a shark. That I can't even think of kind of what the kind of, yeah, I can't even think. Is I just that your Morgan Freeman? Yeah, I, 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 look, I didn't say I was good at impressions, right? I really didn't. <laughs> true, I, you I, didn't I never, say that. That's true. I've never sold myself of being like one of those guys you can see in services like Fiverr. Like, like I'm not going to be that guy you're going to be. Pay me six or seven quid, whatever it is, to hear me go, Andy Dufresne. That's, <laughs> I, 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 can't, I can't do a good Morgan Freeman. But I would imagine this could, it sounds a little bit like the plot for what might be Finding Dory 2, you know, or another Pixar film with sharks in an aquarium. And then there's a sequence where one of the sharks gets out into the warden office and plays, you know, who let the who let the dogs out or baby shark do 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 just for all the inmates or all the fellow kind of yeah. sharks in the aquarium. I, I'm starting to think this through. Because I, th- I think you could get Morgan Freeman, you know, I, I think he goes with the same system you talked about, CBG, for... Michael Caine. I think if the pay is right and the location's right, so he can do it from home, he's going to get paid. <laughs> Boom. I think Morgan Freeman's on board. I think Tim Robbins, I think he'd be on board. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I think we could make this happen. I mean, like, I can't wait to see the sharks go through a sewer. That's exciting. Yeah. I'm, I, 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 could, I, I'm, I just want someone to make one of those kind of deep fake cuts or deep fake things, the fake trailers <laughs> online where just, just, it's, it's, it's Shawshank Redemption. It's exactly the same, but they're all sharks. Yeah, like, don't change the plot at all. The plot is no. perfect. Yeah. Why don't we just have them that, and not even that it's in an aquarium, but why don't we just have it like it's a deep fake and they're just in the prison as normal, but they're all sharks? Do they stand up like on their fins and hop around or is it like they just flop on the floor? Like it's kind of, I don't know. Yeah, when I first saw Andrew Dufresne, he was a tall, a tall drink of water, whatever the line is, but just as a shark. That's the exact what I'm picturing in my head. <laughs> That's, you know, hey, stranger <laughs> things have come out in the world. I think we yeah. can make this happen. You know, if the Snyder Cut can happen, I think we can make the shark cut of uh, Shawshank Redemption. I'll, I'll um, yeah, I'll get to... But then how are we going to do the sequence where we have, we were talking about this in a podcast not so long ago, where you have that one shark that gets released from the aquarium, but then can't cope with life outside the aquarium. So then he hangs himself. So, okay, well, super easy. You know how like some aquariums, like they'll rescue animals or whatever, and then send them back out into the wild. Mm-hmm. It's that kind of scenario. They send it back out and then it purposely gets caught up in a fisherman's net. Oh, that's... And they drag it up and it could be really heartfelt and sad, you know. Well, this got dark. Yeah. Well... That's, that's <laughs> talking at my heartstrings already, because I'm just yeah. trying to picture because... If I and in the last time we talked about this sequence on the pod, I felt really bad because I've come to that. I've seen Shawshank so lo, so many times. I've become desensitized 
to that sequence because at the start it always broke my heart it genuinely did it is horrible it's yeah it, it is horrible and nasty but now i'm kind of like as i said in the previous part oh fuck here he is again all right you, <laughs> wow you know, you know all right you can't okay you can't hack it working in the supermarket someone shouted at you when you were working trying to fill the bags and now you're just all right fucking let's move on to the next bit okay all right okay so i'm just kind of think of like if we're doing this with sharks where is the shark going to go work? You know, like, I mean, where's the shark going to go work that he's then shouted at? And then he's like, people like, going, he's like, oh, fuck it. I'm just going to go. Working for killer whales. Um, okay. He's Let, hey, let's not joke fish. about whales. You know, let's not joke about whales. At the minute, there has been reports of whale attacks now off the coast of Australia. Whales are clearly pissed off with this now. So, you know, famous last words here. Whales can have... be bastards too. I have never done anything to harm a whale, so... Uh, well, you don't know that. You, the Intuna. You don't know. That's true. Yeah. yeah we probably all have harmed them. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. They're attacking the Australians first, not the Japanese. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe the Australians are doing things that we don't know about. Yeah. Secret whale ninja programs where they're training them to be part of their military and now they're getting them. Yeah, maybe it's, maybe sharks are, or maybe the whales are just pissed off of uh, the amount of Australians that just when they come up to see them, when they go out to do the tourist trips to, to see whales, they kind of play the old, that's not a knife, that's a knife. And you're like, oh, for fuck's sake, just boom, we had enough. Yeah. Australians first, then the Japanese, then we'll go for the Italians. I don't know why. Why the Italians, fair enough. Well, they can get there because you've got Venice, that's why. You can get yeah. in. There, some of and those canals are very small. I don't know how the whales are going to do it. They'll find a way. Life small finds whales. a way. Life finds <laughs> Life a way. Finds a way. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> and maybe then after that, they'll maybe come after Trump. But let's not go down there because uh, I don't want to. I've always tried to make Bandaflex a politics-free zone. Maybe, I don't know, maybe they'll kind of take on the Isle of Man or people from the Jersey. I don't know. The Jersey Islands because no one really likes there. That's it. I don't know. They'll attack whales for copyright infringement. The country. <laughs> the whales have taken over whales. Look out, my fan Wade is whales. Oh, this is like wait. a confusion. They're just like, this is where we're supposed to be. It's just a clerical error. What they'll actually do is they'll actually hold Alan Jones for ransom. They'll they'll <laughs> actually hold him to ransom and say, unless you give us back, <laughs> unless you give us back, because all whales are actually Welsh. And that's yeah, what yeah. they are. <laughs> the Welsh whales, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Unless you give us back whales, we'll, we'll give you back all the Jones. See, I think my Welsh is better than my Morgan Freeman. Could you imagine Morgan Freeman if he was Welsh? I can't even do that. I can't even comprehend. This podcast has went on the most random of segues, I think in a long, long time. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think so we back ended to, up So back to Shawshank Redemption with whales. And with I don't yeah, sorry. Okay, well, let's do it with whales. Fuck it. Why not as well? We can do it with whales. If we, if some we're people could be whales, sharks, some people could be sharks, you know. Fine. Is yeah. the prison just filled with killer whales because they're killers? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's stereotyping. It's, you know, arresting yeah. people before they even commit the crime. It's terrible. And you're going to have to have Martin Scorsese at some point voicing a shark because, you know, it's going to be somehow this is going to be a connected universe to Shark Tale. Ugh. Oh, it, do, it does. It has to be. It has to be. Yeah. So, and there's there's another thing. If Shark Tale was in the real world, this is what would happen. Mind blown. Whoa. <laughs> there's people list. There's people listening, or kind of if they're with their co- like their coffee glass or a coffee mug. I'm sorry if you're sitting listening to this with your coffee mug. I'm sorry for the fact your mind has been blown. You've just dropped your coffee mug all over the floor. <laughs> uh, that in, that infers there's people still listening to this. To be honest, like we've rambled for so long, they've probably gone. 
they're talking about shark shank redemption i'm just going to turn this off now i think that's what our listeners know and expect from us to be honest with you <laughs> i think they don't really tune in for like the in-depth you know film analysis that we offer on a week-to-week basis cbg i think you're Plug. grossly kind of kind of misappropriating kind of where our listenership is they want to hear us talk rambly shit and they want to hear us <laughs> personally feel offended that you don't think that my idea for this incredible cinematic masterpiece is good enough to listen to on this podcast. I might. <laughs> See, I think, right, okay, it might not work because of the fact it's technically a remake, but we always complain that remakes are always just rehashing the original. That's definitely not happened the case oh, here. You know with... Also, all the fish could just be women now. So, yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you made that joke because if Jim and I made that joke, it would be the end of us. <laughs> Uh, can can one of the sharks be trans as well? So I'm taking it too far now. <laughs> one of the sharks can be trans. That is not me. I just want to clarify. That is not me in any way kind of making any kind of underhanded statement about that. Just for that one person that will write in and complain. But just for the sake of representation, I want a trans shark. And they have to be played by a trans shark. It can't be played by Scarlett Johansson. No. Yeah. No, definitely. By a yeah. shark. A yeah. Trans person. Well, if we cast it with uh, frogs, there's that line in... No, hang on, no, hang on a minute, CBG, hang on. <laughs> Two seconds ago, I quote, I'm out. You can't just kind of summon like, going, <laughs> nope. all right, I've come up with something funny too. I'm in okay. now, I'm in now. The okay, representation right, okay. got me back. Uh, there's that line in Jurassic Park where he talks about West African frogs can change gender. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's a case to sort of say that, like, yeah, there are transgendered frogs, but there's no transgendered... Whales, as far as I'm aware, or sharks. So at least there's. I mean, I feel I, like it probably I wouldn't don't be the same want... issue amongst the frog community if that's just the default. So yeah, and I'm just clarifying here now. I don't want a frog to play one of the shark characters. It has to be a trans shark. So a trans frog, no, but a trans shark, yes. I no. think if it's a film about trans frogs, oh. yes, I will yeah. happily accept. This. If no, we're gonna just, have, okay. if we're gonna let's have just... frogs, if we're gonna have frogs in this place of. Uh, all, it's going to be all female frogs with one trans frog, then yes, we can have that situation. But it's not a situation where it's going to be sharks. It's not going to be like that incident in, is it in The Simpsons where they're painting, is it sheep? Because sheep don't look like, or whatever, I can't remember, is it cows? Because they don't look like cows on screen. Yes, yeah. yeah. It's like they're painting them black and white or something. What do you do if you want a bunch uh, of <laughs> cows? Or we just tape a bunch of cats together? Yeah. This is, it's, all right. it's not, yeah, okay. So we need more representation in film and people should play the people that they should play and let's just move on yeah, to this. You know this. what, you know, let's yeah. be honest, right? We have made a very nice, profound and genuinely from the heart statement. It just so happens that we've got there by talking about a remake of Shawshank Redemption with sharks <laughs> and trans sharks and all women, all women, all, I went all full Northern Irish here, women, all, all female sharks. So there we go. Um, uh, Hollywood, if you're listening, you know, this idea was by Abby Easton, not by Banderflix. <laughs> just, just to kind of save myself. But anyway, so very quickly, let's bring us back to point and wrap things up. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think there's anything really, for me, has replicated the magic of jaws uh to be honest i don't think there's anything that is quite to that level which is why it still keeps getting new viewers and new fans it's just one of those films that even though it's so long so old we still find it's a bit like the lost boys it keeps getting new fans as opposed to just Mm. old fans clinging on to how much we love jaws but um yeah Yeah. i I, I can't think of anything else unless i'm just trying to think about other movies with like that kind of male 
bonding that isn't super macho. It's quite natural. I feel like um, in terms of like the creature and the way like the shark kind of makes feel, I think um, Jurassic Park kind of does that for me with the danger of these giant intelligent creatures that we've messed with and now they're getting us and we're all in their territory. So I feel like that kind of mirrors it for me. But in terms of like, the relationships in it, it's hard to think. Well, it's very true. It is true. And I, I come back to that point from the article. I must repost that up on our website again. Uh, the gentle masculinity of Jaws. The fact that they are macho men. And I don't think there's too many outdated stereotypes. I would say maybe the alcoholism is something that is maybe an issue. I think if you were making a film now, it would maybe be... And even it's, it's hinted at in the film. I think it's more apparent in the book that that Brody's character is an alcoholic, which I think is one of the reasons, CBG, I don't know, have you read the book? I haven't actually, I, I probably should, because I like Cause the I'm, film so much. Because I'm trying to remember, I think the alcoholism of Brody, again, listeners, I could be wrong here, is one of the kind of the semi-reasons why we have Brody's wife fallen into the arms of Mr. Hooper! But, <laughs> um, and she says it every time like that as well. She says it. She says it like that every time. But anyway, uh, yeah, I can't think of anything. It's that's because I don't think on that. What I started that point, I may as well finish it. That idea. I don't think there's like an outdated male stereotype too much in Jaws. I think there are characters that are flawed that are still relatable today to viewers. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm not a man. I don't know if I can speak that. That's all right. That's okay. That's okay. I'm not going to force you on that situation, Abby. So I can't think. I'm sure there's listeners at this point that are screaming if they haven't kind of been morally outraged by our uh, shark, 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 I can't even say it, shark, shark, oh, shark, shark shark redemption. There we go. There we go. And they also the other version that we made with whales as well. And uh, I just want to clarify <laughs> at this Ross. point. That, yeah, I just want to clarify at this point that Alan Jones is safe. That we know anyway, as we record this podcast, Alan Jones is still safe. He has not been kidnapped by whales. Not the nation, but the animals. See if Who it knows? has been, and by the time this podcast's out, that's widely inaccurate. You're going to look stupid. Fake news. Fake news. <laughs> Fake news. Um, I can't even do a good Donald Trump impression. I'll not even go back and do more than three minutes. Fake news. China. China. Anyway, okay. I, I think this has just become a rambly podcast. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so I think on that note, we shall bring things to a close. So we hope you've enjoyed what you've listened to on this week's pod. If you have, don't forget to subscribe. If you really like us, don't forget you can support us through our Patreon account and uh, you can get kind of our one of our limited edition prints or if you are really nice to us, you can get a few of those prints a year. We maybe might commission a print based on this discussion. I doubt it greatly. I don't think we're going to end up with a print of our shark remake of Shawshank Redemption. Who knows? I don't know. It depends what Chris Ellis is up to these days. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so if you like us, subscribe, leave us a nice comment on our iTunes account with a nice review. It helps us with the algorithm on getting our listenership up. And of course, thank you to both our guests. Thank you to the lovely Abby. You're welcome. I had a lot of fun. And thank you very much, CBG. Uh, thank you very much. I hope, that, I hope that this hour and a half, whatever it's been, has been enough for that limited time for just to kind of take your mind off the concerns you have about COVID. Because I get a <laughs> sense that well, I can see you here, right? So I don't know. I don't think there's a door behind you. But I don't know. I don't know if your, your flatmate Claire is there or not. I just get a sense that she'll, she'll notice that you've come out of this relaxed, She'll want to know why you want to watch Shawshank Redemption. And she'll just kind of start kind of going, bringing up facts about COVID again, just to have yeah. you... Maybe she's... Do you know, hang on. I've, I know we're meant to be wrapping up, but 
Five hours later. (laughs) Is is this kind of like a situation, like misery kind of going on (laughs) where, you know, where, you know, not like that, but like, she's like, oh, I'm meant to be making you better and make you feel good. But in fact, she's just kind of, she knows kind of passive aggressively. She's like, oh, CBD's in really good form today. Oh, I see (laughs) that. I see that our rate has really spiked in Zimbabwe, and you just be like, "Oh no, no! How many miles is Zimbabwe?" I recently read Misery, and I would just like to say on Claire's behalf that she is not like that. That was a grim, grim book. (laughs) It's a grim film. It's an even grimmer book. But uh, I also want to say that hopefully by the time this podcast up, I don't know what the R rate is in Zimbabwe. I just thought of somewhere that what would be the first place that's just really far away. And then you're like, oh yeah, it's really good. You know, the R rate's down here. People are going to be wearing masks. It's going to be a lot safer to go out. And this person who I don't know, who I've pictured in my head as kind of a nurse ratchet type character, would kind of turn around and be like, um yeah zimbabwe timbuktu the r rates at 1.2 there and so you're like i'm not going out i'm not going to go i'll just stay in stay in my bed and she just want to keep 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 you weak keep you down cbg yeah i'm just gonna make a blanket fort and eat beans and then just stay here yeah you're gonna be like homer with the mashed potato <laughs> just, just building a big shark or a kind of yep. prison and then do sharks and anyway apologies listeners this has become a rambly goodbye so uh that's us for this week we'll be back soon with another podcast we might possibly be moving away from the cult classics and on our next pod be reviewing something more recent we're just gonna have to wait and see what way the cinematic releases go but for now until then goodbye bye, bye. This has been We Need to Talk About Movies. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit banterflix.com. See you next time.